What's up, Warriors fans? This is the We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, Sports Ethos presentation, birthday pod. That's right. Today is my birthday, doing a special birthday pod, little celebration. We're going to be breaking down the Warriors' overtime thriller win against the Boston Celtics. So much to talk about in this game. And finally, for once, Warriors found themselves in overtime in a close game. No big leads blown, just a hard-nosed battle to the end and an absolute masterclass defensively forcing the Celtics to just brick absolutely every shot late in the fourth quarter and, uh, and into overtime. So let's jump right into it coming into the game chris paul and andrew wiggins were questionable with an illness both would end up playing uh porzingis was out on the boston side obviously no draymond green or gp2 as well um early in this game you know both teams kind of feeling each other out jalen brown was just getting downhill in transition getting a lot of easy buckets warriors uh, were getting good contributions from Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Um, It was Clay Thompson getting hot early with 10 points in the first quarter and Jalen Brown with 12. Celtics led 40 to 30. In the second quarter, Warriors kind of flipped the switch and and ended up taking the lead heading into halftime. Jonathan Kaminga had nine points. Saric had eight points, uh, hitting uh, a couple threes off the bench. Kamingo was aggressive early, getting downhill and attacking the rim. Um, Jason Tatum would end up rolling his ankle. um, I believe it was in the third quarter, perhaps. Um, He would return and end up playing out the rest of the game. So that ended up, didn't end up being too much of an issue, but obviously good, you know, glad that he avoided a scare and getting seriously hurt. Um, 65-62 was the halftime score. Warriors did take a brief lead late in the second, but the Celtics went on a little bit of a run uh, to close out halftime. Derek White had four threes and had, you know, really had the hot hand early. But you you got this feeling in the first half that this was a very winnable game. The Celtics, um, you know, and granted, I have not watched a lot of a lot of Celtics basketball this season. Um, they were 20 and five coming into this game undefeated at home. Obviously this game was on the road at chase center. Um, but you just got the feeling that the Celtics were settling for a lot of jump shots. Um, it, it felt like Tatum and Brown wanted to be Steph and clay. And so early on the shots were falling and, uh, and especially into the third quarter, but down the stretch they weren't. And, and it really enabled the warriors to get, to get back into this game. Um, also, late in the second quarter, Pods got hurt fighting for a defensive rebound. Um, he would end up, they'd end up calling it a lower back st- lower back strain. He would end up not returning to the game. So um, Wiggins gets inserted into the starting lineup, coming out into the third quarter for Pods. Celtics go on a run early. Um, Curry ends up getting five fouls called on him. Late in the third, Steve Kerr tries to challenge it. They lost the challenge. Um, Third quarter just kind of really got away from the Warriors, uh, which has just kind of been an issue for 
the dubs this season. Um, and it wasn't turnovers necessarily, but it was um, Jalen Brown with nine points, Derek White with 11 points. And on the Warriors side, uh, it was Clay Thompson and Chris Paul leading the way. Um, Chris Paul in the first half was um, 0 for 3. He had all of his shots were short. He just did not look like he had the legs in the first half, which, you know, didn't really surprise me if he was under the weather with illness. You could clearly see the effects of that. But then in the third quarter, he really got it going in that um, second half when he in the second half of the third quarter when he checked in. He had two really big buckets that kind of got the Warriors settled down a little bit. Um, and then. Like I mentioned earlier, um, Celtics were hitting shots They they kind of built built a bigger lead. Um, they had a 13 point lead going into the fourth quarter because it was, you know, Jalen Brown getting downhill, Derek White hitting a lot of shots. Um, and then overall they shot 13 for 24 in the third. Um, then the fourth quarter happened and the Celtics ended up going six for 22 in the fourth quarter. Uh, meanwhile, the Warriors went 14 of 25. Um, Steph Curry had 13 points. Klay Thompson had six points. He hit both of his threes. And then the bench just went crazy. Um, you had Chris Paul hit a couple shots. Trace Jackson Davis got going. Um, Wiggins hit a couple shots. Moody hit a shot. So um, Trace Jackson would end up checking in and playing out basically the entire fourth quarter. Looney didn't have it going. You know, continue... Con more or less similar struggles for Kavon Looney, just continuing to look like he just didn't have it. Sarich, again, like I mentioned, he did have that nice stretch um, in the first quarter and into the second quarter where he ended up hitting a couple threes. But defensively, he's just not there, um, which makes sense. I mean, he, he is a four, not a five. And so Warriors play... Sarich is a small ball five to give them a different look. Um, but when you look at the minutes at the end of the game, it was Kaminga or sorry, Looney with 14 minutes, Sarich with 14 minutes and Trace Jackson Davis played 28. Um, he played the entire fourth quarter and, um, and overtime. Uh, sorry, he didn't play the entire fourth quarter. Actually, Sarich got two and a half minutes, um, and he just didn't have it going. So uh, Steve Kerr opted to go to Trace Jackson Davis and uh, and he delivered for sure. Um, so Warriors find themselves um, in this position where, again, you're without pods. Um, you're not getting much from Looney and Sarich. Wiggins, not not a great night for him either. He didn't get a couple shots to drop early, which seems to kind of have been the trend over the last few games where he's alternating good games and bad games. And it's really when he gets a couple buckets, he starts feeling good and, and the game kind of opens up for him. He feels like he's more relaxed. If he misses a couple bunnies or a couple drives and the ball doesn't go in the hoop, it feels like it just really takes him out of rhythm. It takes him, takes him out of his game and he just ends up not really having a lot of effectiveness on either end of the floor. Still obviously trying to play hard, trying to defend the other team's best player and Jason Tatum, uh, but he just didn't have it going. 
So this was definitely a Kaminga kind of game. Um, again, Andrew Wiggins on the night. He played 21 minutes, and that includes starting um, starting in the third quarter. Finished with uh, two for 11 from the field. He he had one possession where he must have had um, four or maybe even five offensive rebounds on a single possession where he attacked, missed, got his got his own. Um, Rebound, put it up, miss, put it up, miss, put it up, missed, and finally Trace Jackson Davis grabs it and, and dunks it. So that certainly hurt his uh, his overall shooting percentage, but again, leads to or feeds into that mentality of like he just couldn't get a shot to drop. Um, he is hitting his free throws, though. I will say uh, there's like three or four games in a row where he's only missed like one free throw. So really nice to see him hit his free throws. Um, he only took one three, which he missed two of two for 11 overall from the field, but he really, really needs to make those shots, um, in the paint when he is attacking the rim. Um, he had one drive early in the game where he, uh, drove by Derek white, got blocked from behind, got his own rebound, and then just had, you know, a point blank bunny that he missed. And I feel like that shot that he missed just really embodied like all of this frustration and anger. He couldn't break out of his funk. So long, long winded way of saying that this was not a good game from, from Andrew Wiggins. I was a little bit surprised, you know, obviously the Warriors behind Andrew Wiggins defeated the Boston Celtics in the NBA finals in, in the 22 run. So I was expecting this to be a big Andrew Wiggins kind of night, um, but it wasn't, it was Jonathan Kaminga who ended up playing just about 34 minutes uh, shot 8 of 13 from the field, only hit 1-3 on four attempts, 0 for 2 from the free throw line. Kaminga was attacking early in this game, got fouled, did not make his free throws. Um, so it's funny that that Kaminga and Wiggins have kind of flip-flopped their stat lines a little bit in the sense that Wiggins is struggling from the field but making his free throws. Kaminga, very efficient from the field, but is 0 for 2 and then in his last game 0 for 4 from the foul line so uh just interesting stat lines obviously from a fantasy perspective you are not happy if you have got jonathan kaminga on your team and he's missed um his last six free throws uh but doing a lot of good stuff otherwise he had um seven rebounds two assists two steals only one turnover 17 points on the night um so a lot of good things going. Uh, Clay Thompson, he had 24 points in his own right. Clay Thompson just continues to be rolling and cooking, which is just really great for the Warriors. You're you're finally seeing Clay Thompson kind of come into his own, and more importantly, making the right reads. There were a few plays and a few possessions where Thompson uh, Thompson got the pass, and and you know nine times out of ten, and in, in what we've seen from Clay throughout this season. He would have just pulled a contested shot because he could get it off. And instead, he pump faked. He would dribble it in and attack, um, finding his teammate, which ended up being Trace Jackson Davis on, on a few different plays. So he got Trace Jackson Davis going early, which just felt like it was so much more of a collective team game um, and played into the Warrior strengths and taking what the defense will give you and making the right reads and not just being so dead set on shooting yourself out of a funk or, or trying to get yourself going and taking whatever shot you possibly can just because you can get it off. Um, and so it's been really nice to see Clay Thompson continue to 
build on his strong play, but it's not just shooting the ball. It's making the right read. It's having patience. It's setting up your teammates when it's there. It's being able to put the ball on the floor without turning it over or dribbling it off your foot. Um, so this is actually a really interesting stat line and I'd have to go back and look, but, um, if you take out Kavon Looney, who was minus 19 in his 14 minutes of play, ouch. Um, every other starter was, um, in the plus column. So, uh, you had Thompson plus seven, Curry plus eight, Kaminga plus three, Pods plus two, and, uh, Trace Jackson Davis, who was, you know, effectively the second half starter. Um, although Looney started, it was really Trace Jackson Davis who played down the stretch and into overtime, a team high plus 25. Um, and that in and of yourself should tell you how good of a game uh, Jackson Davis had and his impact on the floor. Um, five of seven from the field, 13 rebounds, four of them offensive. He had three blocks. Um, and so you got a double-double from Jackson Davis, which I believe is his first double-double of the season, which now he no longer, you know, needs the... Uh, He's, he's now outgrown the nickname of Baby T, which I think, you know, listeners will remember from the beginning of the season. We talked about this, that he got this, that Trace Jackson Davis got this nickname of Baby T. And in order for him to shed that nickname, he needed to get a double-double. Um, there was one night where he, one of his first games maybe where he came in and I don't know if it was like garbage time or, or whatnot, but um, he ended up getting like a quick nine points or quick 10 points and nine rebounds, or he got 10 rebounds on the box score, but then they took one of his rebounds away. And so he was all excited at the end of the game that he got his first double-double, and then they went back and looked at the box score, and, and it wasn't. It was one rebound short. So no longer Baby T. Um, I don't know what his what his nickname will be now, if it'll just be T or, or what have you. Um, but incredible game for Trace Jackson Davis. So many good things. Um, that he was doing for the Warriors, defending the rim. He had some incredible defensive plays, um, blocking Jason, uh, blocking Jalen Brown from behind, um, just rebounding like a maniac, making the right plays, finishing offensively, good hands, catching the ball. So um, this was a really big game for the Warriors. And, uh, and really, it was an opportunity for Steve Kerr and the Warriors, the Warriors coaching staff to demonstrate to the fans, you know, everything that they've been talking about and actually um, live up to what they've discussed, which is playing the guys that are playing well. And so that is continuing to be a point of emphasis for the Warriors. It's continued to give them this momentum that's enabled them to win their last three games. Um, we're not seeing this like continue continuation to play guys that are struggling. Um, you give guys a shot. If they don't have it going, you go to somebody else. If they've got it going, let them ride it out. And so that's what we saw. Andrew Wiggins, you know, no pods. You're in there to start in the third quarter, which was actually interesting to see Wiggins and Kaminga on the floor at the same time. Surprisingly, that unit struggled mightily defensively. Um, I saw the Warriors with that with that third quarter that third quarter lineup and I thought man this this lineup is going to be a beast defensively and it wasn't at all um Celtics got like an easy quick 5 points in like the first 30 seconds and it just it just did not look good at all so um 
But again, Warriors won this game for two reasons. Uh, sorry, three reasons, actually. They won the rebounding battle. They only had 10 turnovers. And they only committed 15 fouls. The recipe for success for the Warriors has been don't turn the ball over or limit turnovers and don't foul. And so when you look at um, kind of the team, the team stats comparison comparisons on the night, uh, Warriors had 10 turnovers to the Celtics eight. 10 turnovers for the Warriors is pretty dang good considering what they've been doing this season. And it was the kind of turnovers also. Um, not a lot of live ball turnovers. Um, 66 rebounds was two more than the Celtics. Both teams had 18 offensive. Uh, 29 assists was one more than the Celtics, 28. Uh, Warriors had 20 made threes to the Celtics, 17. Warriors shot... 12 of 14 from the foul line. Celtics shot 15 of 17. You'll take that. And then Warriors 50 uh, for 109 from the field. That's about 46%. Celtics 47 for 112. That's about 41%. So it came down to shooting. But at the end of the day, Warriors gave themselves a chance to win this game, to come back, even though they were down 17 at one point. Um, because... They limited their turnovers, and it wasn't a parade to the free throw line for the Celtics. Um, and most importantly, or most one of the more incredible things of this game is Steph Curry picks up his fifth foul um, basically late in the third quarter, checks out, and then Steve Kerr subs him in at the start of the fourth quarter like... We're going to roll the dice. Curry's got five fouls. Well, we're down. You know, we're down. Now's our chance to make a push. We don't really have a choice. It is what it is. Um, and Curry did not foul out of that game. He went 17 minutes, if you go uh, fourth quarter plus OT, without picking up a foul. Um, and, and there was some intentionality in game plan and strategy behind that. Warriors basically had um, to double whoever Curry was defending. So Celtics knew, okay, Curry's got five fouls. We're going to target him. We're going to go after him. Let's get him out of this game. And so whoever Steph Curry was matched up on, the Celtics immediately tried to get him into the action, whether that was a post-up or one-on-one, -on -one, whatever. And it would be Chris Paul coming over to double or Kaminga coming over to double or Wiggins, whoever it was, whoever was closest to Curry on defense with the Warriors went to double and force it out of their hands or forced a switch or did something to make sure that Curry didn't have to be involved in the action and commit a foul. Um, and in, you know, in, in typical Warriors or Curry fashion where he's just kind of towing the line, Curry even drew a charge against Jalen Brown um, that was that the Celtics did challenge to try and, and overturn. It clearly was an offensive foul, but it just goes to show that um, how good Steph Curry is, um, how much trust Steve Kerr has in his vets, and how the Warriors can execute and take the Celtics out of the game, take something that should have been a disadvantage to the Warriors and turn it into an advantage because the Celtics spent so much time and attention in the fourth quarter trying to just target Steph Curry. They got all out of whack and all out of sorts offensively. They started missing shots. And then by the time they try to just play through the normal flow of the game, their guys are all out of rhythm. Um, <clears throat> nobody really hitting shots consistently other than Derek White. So 
it was very interesting, but it was Chris Paul really kind of orchestrating and directing that and making sure everybody was on the same page as far as how they were going to handle this defensive assignment of managing Curry's five fouls. So Chris Paul was really instrumental. He even had um, one point where there was a breakage in play and Paul brings everyone together, not named Curry, who's on the floor and is like, guys, Curry has five fouls. You need to protect him. We need to protect Steph Curry. And you could really see Chris Paul stepping up in the absence of Draymond Green, who's obviously still indefinitely suspended, because that is very much something Draymond would have done. And you really see the benefit of having a floor general on the floor, because I honestly feel like if Chris Paul wasn't there um, to really to really drive home that point, because you have to remember that you had um, Kaminga and Trace Jackson Davis on the floor also, so you've got two young guys, and just make sure that they remember what the most important thing to do right now is, which is protect Steph Curry from picking up his last foul and fouling out of the game. Um, and so for all those you know, folks who I see out there talking about flip Chris Paul, trade Chris Paul. I mean, this is why, this is why you have him. And it doesn't mean that he's worth necessarily the 30 million you're paying him for his contract this year, but you can certainly see the added value and benefit of having an established high IQ veteran guy who has a voice, who's not afraid to talk, who's not afraid to call players out, who's not afraid to, you know, bring everyone together to tell them what to do in the moment. Um, and that was really nice to see it all unfold and work out. And um, and for, more importantly, the Warriors got the win, right? You get a very important win against a very good Celtics team. You start to reestablish this winning identity of you've got these close games, you're, you're down the stretch, you've been down the whole game, and you, you know, you were down double digits going into the fourth quarter. Well, you still find a way to win and you still find a way to execute for all those times that it hasn't gone the Warriors way. You finally find a way to stay in there long enough at home and and get yourself to overtime and then take care of business and win in overtime. So overall, super impressive game. Warriors now with three straight wins. You've got um, Washington in Portland both at home on a back-to-back. -back. That's going to be on Friday and Saturday. And then on Christmas Day, you've got a road game at Denver. And then Warriors have another seven straight games at home between uh, December 28th and January 10th. So it really feels like, you know, Warriors are still 13 and 14. They're 11th in the West. There's still a lot of room to improve. This is like scratching the surface. Obviously, you know, if the playoffs started tomorrow, Warriors wouldn't even make the play-in. So there's a lot of work to do, but at the same time, you're seeing a shift. You're seeing um, kind of a, a return to the regression as far as seeing Steph and Clay playing really well. Um, other guys are stepping up and contributing. You've got Steve Kerr and the coaching staff seemingly uh, making the correct adjustments, playing the right guys who are playing well, not playing the guys who aren't playing well. And um, and really kind of rounding into form at the right time during this critical home stretch, you know, Warriors, they can continue this frantic, frenzied, you know, rate of winning. They could easily catapult themselves um, back up the standings. Um, when you look at the standings in the West, 
Um, you know, Phoenix is just one game ahead of them at 14 and 13, Houston 13 and 12, Lakers 15, 13. So, you know, you win another three games in a row, you very quickly would find yourself in uh seventh or eighth. Lakers have been losing a lot. Um, so there's a lot of room for improvement here, but you feel like the war, you got to feel really good as a Warriors fan and feel like things are starting to turn a corner. Um, more importantly, uh, Steve Kerr post game talks about Trace Jackson Davis will be in the rotation moving forward. Um, but that doesn't mean he's going to start. We need both. We are, we're going to need Trace and Loon. They'll both play. Those are the quotes from Steve Kerr. So my immediate take on that is a flashback to kind of vintage warrior years where you had the three-man rotation of Zaza Pachulia, uh, David West, and JaVale McGee, which was... Uh, which worked out really well. You basically had three very different options at center, uh, different guys who each brought something different and each were able to contribute in their own way. You didn't need to play one guy 30 minutes. You know, each night was a little bit different, but you had kind of this three-headed monster at the center position for Steve Kerr to mix it up and tinker with and um, and give different looks. So I really like that. I think that's going to be a great approach. You've got, obviously, the established veteran in Kavon Looney, who just doesn't have it going right now. But who knows? Come playoff time, you're going to need Looney to bang around with Jokic, with Davis, Anthony Davis, um, you know, whatever. There's a lot of bigs in the league, Joel Embiid, etc. You're not necessarily going to stop them. You're not going to hold them to 10 points. But you need someone who's smart and savvy and been around long enough to be able to hang with them. And sure, you've got Draymond Green. Um, theoretically, who should be back by the time the playoffs roll around, assuming the Warriors make the playoffs, but you need more options. Green, you can't play Draymond Green the whole night at the center position in a seven-game series. You need more depth than that. You need you need more big bodies. Um, Dario Saric just gives the Warriors this really nice floor spacing option. His three-point stroke has been so sweet. He's got this great chemistry with Chris Paul. You don't want to take that away, but also... Sarge isn't getting it done on the defensive end. I'm sorry. And and not that it's his fault, again, because he's really a four. But you're playing Dario Sarge as kind of like the Mo Spates role, right? He's going to come in, be that pick-and-pop, floor-spacing, big option um, who's going to play really hard and try and bang around and, and grab rebounds. But um, he's not athletic. He's not protecting the rim. Um, you know, he's going to fight hard, but you really are bringing him in for offense. And then Trace Jackson Davis is kind of this well, is kind of like this blended, younger, more athletic version um, of both. He's got defensive versatility. He can defend the rim. Um, he can get up there and block shots or alter shots. Um, and then offensively, he's got great hands. And because he's got that athleticism, you can throw the ball up there and he can dunk it down. And so he gives you that, that um, above the rim presence that the Warriors so desperately need. So I think it's going to be a per matchup and per night kind of thing as far as, you know, who gets more minutes and how that all works out. But also, I do think that right now, based off of what we've seen in the last few games, and especially after after the last game against Boston, it definitely feels like Trace Jackson Davis has has kind of catapulted himself into more minutes out of that trio in the regular season. But with that being said, I do fully expect that when the Warriors find themselves in a playoff series um, against other tough comp uh, opponents, 
it is going to be Kevon Looney holding it down at the center position. And um, if Kevon Looney hasn't figured it out by then, then, you know, you, you really go from there and, and see where you see what uh, you need to do to win a game. But I don't think it's as simple as start Trace Jackson Davis and play him 32 minutes a night. Forget Kevon Looney. No, um, I'd be perfectly fine with with continuing to start Kevon Looney. But if he's only playing 12 to 15 minutes a night, that's fine. Um, it's more important who closes a game than who starts a game. And right now we're seeing Steve Kerr be a man of his word. And, and against Boston, it was Kaminga and Trace Jackson Davis close in the closing lineup. Um, other nights when Kaminga has been a little bit more wishy-washy and inconsistent defensively, even though his offense um, continues to be pretty good, it's Andrew Wiggins in the closing lineup. And so Steve Kerr continues to ride the hot hand for anyone not named uh, Steph, T- Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. So last update that we've got here on this pod before we call it, uh, we got some updates on Gary Payton II. Uh, GP2 is advancing to certain portions of teams of team practices. This is the next step in his recovery from his calf injury. And so now he'll be uh, reevaluated early next week. So this is great. Obviously, there's still no definitive timeline, but he is continuing to make positive progress. Now he's participating in parts of practices with the team. Um, so that would be great. Now, that does kind of throw a wrench into things as we talked about on the last episode. The Warriors have too many players to play and only so many minutes and only so much the coaching staff can do to figure all of this out. So... Um, Pods, also uh, Brandon Pajetsky, who had the uh, lower back strain, he's questionable for Friday's game, so it certainly doesn't seem like it's going to be an extended injury for him. But Pods has been so good in the starting lineup. What does that look like when GP2 gets back? Does that bump him? Does that bump Moses Moody, who's also been good in his own right? Uh, It's going to be really interesting to see what happens when you get a healthy Draymond Green, when you get a healthy GP2. How are the minutes going to be distributed? It finally feels like the Warriors are kind of trying to find their way with guys getting more minutes and opportunity and consistency. That's going to be really hard to figure out. And I don't think there's an easy answer because they've got it going right now. And so I think you probably stay the course with the guys that have been playing well and the way that minutes have been distributed. And I, if I had to guess... Uh, GP2 returns and is healthy. It's probably Moses Moody that gets bumped from the rotation. Um, that being said, we've seen GP2 be very effective in like a 10 to 15 minute role. So um, just more question marks and challenges for this coaching staff to figure out how to manage manage everybody. Obviously, you want to keep these young guys happy. You want to keep these guys feeling good about their minutes and in their play, be able to contribute. But most importantly, you want to win. And so I don't think that they're going to do anything to jeopardize the Warriors kind of momentum now and fluidity now that they're kind of finding their way. But I do my early predictions for what happens when GP2 comes back is probably that he takes the minutes that uh, Moses Moody has been getting, which at least against Boston um, was uh, 16 minutes off the bench. And um, that's been pretty consistent for Moody because Clay Thompson has been playing so much better. Um, when you look at the last the last uh, four or five games, it's uh, 
you know, 16 and change, rounded up to 17 against Boston. He played 19 minutes in the win against Portland. He played 14 minutes in the win against Brooklyn. He played 16 minutes in the loss against the Clippers, and he played 24 minutes in the loss against Phoenix. Um, so no surprise there as Clay Thompson has really been playing much better and much more consistently in, in under um, with a lot more kind of coolness and awareness and control. Clay Thompson's minutes have been much more consistent and steady in the upper 20s, lower 30s, and Moody's minutes have kind of shifted back down. So um, I do think that that it'll be GP2 probably taking some of his minutes, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing to do per se. Um, I think that's just realistically and stylistically and, and what Steve Kerr will end up doing and just based on when guys, you know, when it's kind of been when push comes to shove, who's getting squeezed from the rotation, it does feel like it's been uh, Moody who's kind of been at the short end of the stick there simply because if you've got Clay Thompson playing at such a high level and you've got Jonathan Kaminga playing as your as your small forward, Moody uh, ends up being the one who gets kind of squeezed. That's all we got for you guys today. Again, such an exciting win against the Boston Celtics. Curry throwing in that iconic night-night when he hit that huge three in overtime. Um, just absolutely devastating for the Celtics. I think the Celtics just absolutely hate playing the Warriors now after what we've done to them. Um, and you can just really see that when this team is firing all cylinders and taking care of the basketball and not committing silly fouls and winning and winning the game on the glass, they can have the potential to beat anybody. Um, and so you got to feel like this is a really important and significant emotional win for the Warriors. Does this get them over the hurdle of what's kind of been slowing them down this season? Do they finally really get on track and, and just break free and, and bust out like a 10-game win streak? Um, you know, a lot of questions, a lot more games to play, a lot more games to win. So there's still a lot to see unfold in the Western Conference, in the NBA. If you haven't already, please give me a follow over at Twitter. That's at SDORLIC. Subscribe, rate, and review the show. Again, thanks for tuning in, guys. This very special birthday pod. And we'll catch you on the